Good morning. It is good to have this number out with us for our first half of our worship service and definitely an honor to stand before you and proclaiming God's word, but the rain's descending kind of makes my mind go to a lesson. It goes to a lesson that Jesus Christ himself taught, and if we find this lesson back in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24, and the, the type of person that we should be. The actual invitation song is Just As I Am. When we sing that song, when we stand up for the, for the invitation and we're encouraged to repent of our sins and come forward, we need to look at ourselves and, de and define or ask that question, what type of foundation do I have? And in what type of spiritual house have I built upon that foundation? That's what Christ is talking about in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through actually 27. He speaks of two types of foundations. A false one and a true one. When, of course, when Christ goes on to, to teach in Matthew, uh, excuse me, not Matthew, but John 8, 32, he says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free or set you free from your sins. So we think about the type of person that we are. Who do we look like? Do we look like the person that has fell apart? The person that is just, their spiritual house have crumbled to nothing. My mind goes to Jonah, and that's going to be our Old Testament example of the words that Christ says in the very first part of his, of his teachings there. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, therefore, uh -oh, the, the word therefore means we're going to back up. The three verses that I, I quote often, I read them in Bible class, and here we go again. Verse 21 through 23. Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now we think about that in the foundation and spiritual house that we have. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Again, are we doing the will of the Father in heaven? Are we being the Christian that we're supposed to be doing? Are we being the Christian that we should be? Are we doing the will of God, the will of God in a nutshell, that all men everywhere will, should come to repentance? Verse 23. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness or practice workers of iniquity. We think about that. That word comes to mind. And the, the iniquities and the lawlessness and the sinfulness that we see coming from quote-unquote Christians. Folks who call themselves Christians and do not behave like Christ. Saying all kind of words that's displeasing in the eyes of God, most assuredly amongst people. Treating one another in a shape, form, and fashion that Christ would not treat one another. And doing all kinds of evil to one another. The things that Christ would not do. So Christ goes on to teach there in 24 with that thought of, I never knew you. Therefore, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken unto him a wise man who built his house on the rock. Well, first off, we need to look at the first part of verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. That's the reason why my mind goes to Jonah. Of course, particular times and other times we see folks adhering to God's word right off the bat, like Abram later to be Abraham, that in, in Genesis chapter 12 and chapter 22, those differences of a child of God should be or our goals. 
my mind again, it goes back to Jonah. So in the book of Jonah, chapter 1, we hear the Lord speaking to Jonah and go to Nineveh and speak the word because the God is ready to destroy Nineveh. He sees their wickedness. Well, uh, a child of God, someone that's, that's built their house on the rock back in Matthew chapter 7, is going to say, okay, God, I'm going to go. I'm going to do your will. I'm going to do what you would ask, ask me to do, and I'm going to go. We see Abram doing that. He says, get your family, get your household, and leave from this country to a land I will show you. And Abram went. No questions asked. He went. We see Jonah being the opposite end of that spectrum. He runs away in verse 3 in the book of Jonah chapter 1. But Jonah arose to flee from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. That is such an absurd statement. To flee from the Lord is impossible. There ain't no place you can go. There ain't no hole dark enough nor deep enough that you get away from God's presence. He sees all and he knows all. So we see Jonah trying to run away after these instructions coming from the Lord to say, Arise, go to Nineveh and tell them about their wickedness. And it has come up before me in verse 2. So we see, again, Jonah running away. So he paid the fare and went down into it, not in the ship, to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The Lord knew where he was, but Jonah was trying to run away. And in the back, I can see Jonah, and I can see folks of the world saying, I know what you have me to do, God, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to run away from you. I'm going to flee from you. We see Jonah doing that very thing. So he boards this ship there in Jonah chapter 1 in verse 3. And then the storms at sea in verses 4 through 9, time constrained, we can't read every verse. So we just see this tempestuous sea arise. And the men aboard this ship says, why is this wickedness, this horrible? Why are we in this dire circumstance? And they become afraid. So they, uh, uh, am I already in the cast lots? Yes, verse 10 through 16, we see the lots being cast, and Jonah draws the short straw. And they realize who he is because he announces it, and they say, we don't want to throw him overboard. We don't want to. So we see Jonah being tossed overboard, and immediately the sea ceased from its raging in verse 15. Then the men feared in 16, the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. And in verse 17, we see the outcome in Matthew chapter 7 of the one building his, the, the unwise man. But Christ says, if you do my word, excuse me, if you hear my word and do those things that I tell you to do, you will be like that wise man building his house upon the rock. We see Jonah being that foolish man or that unwise man building his house upon the sand going his own way. Look at the outcome of Jonah as he has done the very thing God told him not to do. He ran away from him. Verse 17, Then the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That outcome was grave. Now if the story stopped there, we see Jonah perishing in that fish, in that fish's belly. If, if the story ended there, but it doesn't, does it? So as Jonah is in the belly of the, the great fish, I almost said a whale, the great fish, we see Jonah realizing he's in peril. 
He's in the depths of Sheol. That's what he says when he's praying to God. When he hears heeds the voice of us and he thanks, he he pleads God for his deliverance. And then verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Before we get to that, we learn something significant. Let's look at Jonah's words in chapter 2 and verse 2. This is what Jonah said. I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I've been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The water surrounded me even to my soul. The deep cleansed around me. The weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth and its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God, when my soul fainted within me. I remembered the Lord, and my prayers went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. For I will sacrifice to you with the, vow, the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Now that's the voice of someone who's realizing he's in great despair. He realizes what he has done was displeasing the eyes of God. And his house had crumbled. Do you realize? Again, if that story had stopped there, Jonah would have perished. But the Lord saved Jonah. When the Lord spoke to the great fish, he went up and vomited Jonah out onto the dry land. Notice what happens when Jonah goes from that foolish or unwise man building his house upon the sand. Great fall. We're going to get to that in Matthew 7. We see Jonah turning a complete 180 instead of fleeing from the Lord, walking with him, heeding his voice, doing those things. That's, that's what God told him to do. God told him in verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, the like again, the nutshell of it, Verse uh, chapter three and verse four, three day uh, uh, one day's journey into a three days walk across the city, a day's walk, and he said these words: "Yet forty days, and none of us shall be overthrown." Eight words, eight words. Jonah spoke, and Nineveh overturned. Excuse me, changed their lifestyle, even to the point of the king. The entire city changed, and God saw it in his heart to spare Nineveh. For eight words, Jonah spoke. Eight words. And he fled from the beginning. I won't do that. All he had to do was come and, and come to Nineveh and walk a day's journey and say eight words, and the whole city was spared. God will not put anything beyond our means. Look what great work come from Jonah heeding to the Lord's voice and doing the things that he had commanded him. So now, back in Matthew chapter 7, back in 24, we need to look within ourselves. Remember, the invitation song, Just as I am. Do you look like Christ? Are you doing his will? Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken to him a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains of the rain descended 
And the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Now let's hindsight 2020, right? What if Jonah would just put it into his mind and say, well, I know what's going to happen, so I'll go to Nineveh and speak my eight words. Now I know if you continue to read in Jonah, there's more of a lesson there, but that was my example of where Jonah ran away from God, as so many people today do. He tried, that's right, Mark. He tried to run away. In his mind, he was getting away from God. I'm not going to heed what you're going to say to me. I'm running away. So many people try today to run away from God. Now, again, we just read those three verses of Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, and the outcome of iniquity. Running away from God is iniquitous. It's sinful. We need to draw near to God because if we don't draw near to God, guess who we're drawing near unto? Satan. Need I say more? Satan. The adversary of God. Nobody wants to be an adversary of God as we made mention that as we're at the judgment seat of Christ in 2 Corinthians. So when the rain descended and the floods came, Christ's example in verse 25 of Matthew 7, it's hardships in our life. Difficult times. Sickness. Death. Loss of things that God has blessed us with upon this earth. I don't mean spiritual things. I mean earthly things. Those times come for child for the children of God. They have and they continue will. They continue to will come. So when the hard times come here in verse 25, what happens if you're founded on the rock? What happens if you're like Jonah after he was in great despair and God saved him and spoke those eight words and the whole town of Nineveh was overturned? And I know that lesson continues, but what about that? Have we, took, have we taken God's words, put it into our heart, and action into our lives? Well, first off, before we did that, did we reach down and find Jesus Christ, the rock? Jesus Christ, the rock. The foundation that we build our holy city off of. Our spiritual city. The dwelling place of God. Because if that dwelling place of God is not pleasing in his eyes, in his eyes he ain't going to abide there. Plainly spoken. If you don't look right in the eyes of God, he's not going to abide in your heart. Period. If sin is there, if iniquity is there, folks, that's the purpose of baptism. We made that discussion out there in the, fo in the foyer. There's all type of baptisms. Baptisms for this, immersions for that. There's one reason why a child of God is baptized, and that's for the remission of sin. Not for the addition to the church. No, God adds us to the church. By faithful service and observance to his word. We learn that in Acts chapter 2. So we see here, when the difficult times for a child of God comes, if we hear the words of Jesus Christ and we do them, it ain't going to matter. It ain't going to matter. It doesn't matter what happens to us upon this earth because we are founded on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. And we have built our spiritual house upon God's, excuse me, with God's word, and no matter what happens to us, no matter difficult times, no matter sickness, no matter death, our foundation, our spiritual house will stand. It will stand. But we have to do one thing. We see that in verse 24. It's difficult too, by the way. Hearing 
those words of Christ and doing them. <laughs> we see, see so many people today who are outside of God. We can tell the way, just the way that they live, just the way that they talk, the way that they treat one another. We learn this in also 2 Corinthians. So let's keep your finger there, Matthew. We're going to turn back to our lesson there, which is, which is perfectly fitting for our foundation and for our spiritual house. <clears throat> Notice what it said in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 5 and verse 11. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men... But we are all, but we are well known to God. And I also trust are well known in your consciences. Notice what was said. We are well known to God. In doing so, if we're well known to God, we're going to persuade men. Folks, that's people. That's the people we come in contact with to persuade them to come to Christ. It does not say force, now does it? It says to encourage or to per, to encouraged to persuade them to show them the right way and they have to make the decision to do it themselves but yet still as a child of God we're going to be talking about God in the community we're going to be talking about Jesus and his sacrifice we're going to talk about that rock that foundation that folks should build themselves off of well first before we do that have we done that ourselves have we dug down and found Christ that is his life that is his sacrifice that is his promise. Have we built off that? Because if we have not, we're going to be like this unwise man. But everyone, in verse 26, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. See the difference? One who does, one who does not. Will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. I don't know if y'all ever seen what sand does. You ever been to the beach? You ever been a, with watch children or even built one yourself, a, a sandcastle down there close to the water's edge? It's pretty easy to build a sandcastle if you got the right tools. And you're building on sand, by the way. What does sand tend to do? Shift, move. It's in constant flux. It don't look like it, but it is. Especially when there's water involved. So when the floods came, well, excuse me, the rains descended and the floods came in verse 27, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Remember Jonah? We just, we just read Jonah, right? What happened to Jonah when he ran away from God? <coughs> Excuse me. He ended up in the belly of a great fish. He was in great despair. He was going to perish. But God saved him. When he said, I will pay what I owe you. He remembered God. And he turned away from that running away attitude and he came to the knowledge that he needed to do what God would have him to do. Have we come to that realization? Have we come to that realization if we have found our house on the sand? That is false doctrine, misinterpretation, misencouragement, uh, misdirection, false doctrine. Have we founded our spiritual house upon that? Not Jesus Christ. Have you heard the words from Christ and refused it? Decided to run away from God? Great despair awaits. 
Sadly enough, great despair awaits. In, in, in the likeness of that great fish, that type and anti-type, that great fish representation is hailed fire. The place reserved for Satan and all the false prophets and all those adversaries of God. So I want to encourage something. Realize where you have built your house. Take notice of it. Is it the rock that is Jesus Christ? And have you built that spiritual, have you built your spiritual house that will test, excuse me, that will stand the test of time? That is when hard times come. That is when famine comes. When death comes, your house will be unmovable. Not driven, tossed to and fro. Remember that? Driven, tossed to and fro, to and fro by every form of wind of doctrine. Well, that's an unstable man in all sorts of his ways. He shouldn't expect anything from the Lord. Let's dig down and find Christ. If you have done so, continue to build your house, by the way. Our building doesn't actually stop, now does it? Our spiritual house doesn't. It always needs work. Just as our regular houses do. It needs work. Sometimes we let the, the sand get in, if you will, and, the, and our houses shift. That is, we turn away from our Heavenly Father. We start doing the things that are pleasing to us instead of God. And our house becomes moved. It becomes unstable. So my encouragement is this. Hear the word of Christ and do it. Because in doing so, in the opposite of doing so, hearing the words of Christ and not doing them will land you in great peril. And your house is going to fall. And it's going to be a great fall. So where would you stand on Judgment Day? Well-pleasing, as we just got a little glimpse there in 2 Corinthians. Well-pleasing, known to him or his adversary. Hearing those horrible words, depart from any workers of iniquity. For as we just read in verse 23, or practicing lawlessness. So how do you stand right now? For as we have, the, the song of invitation has been chosen just as I am. Do you stand in the good graces of God just as you are right now? If not, turn away from those iniquitous things. Turn away from those sad things that's going on in your life and come to God. Turn away from iniquity. Tell Satan, get behind me. I want nothing to do with you. For he can't promise you one thing on Judgment Day. Oh, he can promise you wonders in the world. Wonders of this land. But this land is perishing. It's going away one day. That day we don't know of. But when Christ comes, there will be nothing left. Nothing to take over. Nothing to abide in. It's either death or life. If you build your house upon Christ and your house has shifted and you need to come back to him, that's called repentance. Just like Jonah in the belly of that fish saying, well, I'm, I'm dying. And he laid his eyes back upon God. He made him a promise. I will pay what I owe you. Do we need to pay God what we owe him today? By a repentative heart? That repentative act? turning away from those simple things that we're involved in, turning to Him? Do you need to be immersed or baptized for the remission of sins? Putting Christ on for the remission of sins? Wait not. Don't fate. Again, He is coming. 
And if you're outside of him, you're going to hear those horrible words, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Don't hear those words. Hear well done, good and faithful servant. As we stand, as we sing the song of invitation.